Praise the Lord. Thanks. Two people are excited about it. Praise the Lord. No, you're all just copycats now. No, no, you missed the blessing. Listen, it is great to be here tonight. We've got a great time in the Word of God planned for you. We've already really had time to dive into the Word of God through song and then through the Seudat Hadon, the elements. And remember, this is a participatory time where we're together. We're worshiping together. It's not you watching us. It's, it's taking the elements together. It's not you watching us take the elements. It's, it's not you only listening to the Word of God, but you're diving into the Word of God with us tonight, okay? This is an interactive time. Praise the Lord. So we want to welcome you, King of Kings family. We're so happy you're here tonight. It is um, it's a special night for us because we have some great friends in the house. James and Melissa Patton, welcome home. Good to have you back. Now, they've been with us uh, many years before. Uh, those of you that don't already know this, James and Melissa were on our planting team when we founded the congregation of Nachalat Yeshuatenu. It's going well under the guidance of Pastor Yochanan Bartholomew now. Um, one of the primary reasons James and Melissa are, are connecting with us again here in the land is because they're helping us plant the new King of Kings congregation in the city of Modi'in. So if you know of anybody in Modi'in... We'd like you to tell them about the new King of Kings congregation in Modi'in. And if you say, how can they connect? It's really easy. Thursday nights at 7. All right? Thursday nights at 7. Make it real easy for you. I was with the group this past Thursday, and Pastor Ilya did a wonderful job. Uh, they have, man, they, Joanna, Jessica, they played worship so wonderfully well. I see you guys up on the balcony. Thank you so much. It's a great time. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbors, Okay. Listen, we're happy you're here tonight. Everybody watching online, we're also happy you've joined us. Happy New Year in the room. I call this Happy New Year number three. You know, in a Jewish culture, in an Israeli culture, you have the, the real New Year. That's God's New Year, Nisan 1, right? Then you have the middle of the year New Year. We call it Rosh Hashanah, right? First day of the seventh month, right? And then we have the Gregorian calendar, New Year. So anybody who needed to start over. You have joined the right peoplehood. We start over on a regular basis. Welcome everybody watching online. Some great countries watching tonight. Argentina, Austria, Bolivia, Brazil, Canada, Finland, India, Ireland, other parts of Israel, Kenya, Malaysia, Malta, Mexico, the Netherlands, woo, Philippines. Poland, Portugal, Romania, that's where my wife is from. Praise the Lord for that, Romanians, great job. Singapore, South Africa, Suriname, Sweden, United Kingdom, United States, and those are only the ones that told us where they were watching from. There might be others watching from other countries. Wow, praise the Lord. Australia is watching or you're in the house? I was about to say, if you're in the house and watching, I'm going to ask you to turn your devices off. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's dive into the Word of God. I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles. Isaiah 56 will be our opening text tonight. We're going to continue in a series I hope you have found very enriching, and that is called We Are the Temple. Through this series, we've 
We've gone through different parts of the temple, the layout of the temple, the articles of the temple, and what each element means to us. How do we interact with it? The Bible says that we are the temple, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And the way we deduced this information was, if we are the temple, then we better know what the temple is about. If we're expected to have the outworking of the power of the temple and its attributes, then it behooves us to study it and to know what it's about. Now, we've covered different aspects of the tabernacle and then later the temple. We looked at the usages, the layout, the articles, the tabernacle, temple one, temple two, the heavenly tabernacle, what might come in temple three. We've looked at all of that. And what does it mean to us? Now, you heard the announcements. We've just started a 21 days of prayer. How do you connect with that? Well, if you're a morning prayer person, catch us on our Facebook page at nine in the morning. You'll, you'll see it played right there the first time. It's about 10 or 15 minutes. You can connect with us. That's Israel time, of course. And a different leader is leading us each day. I led this morning, and you're going to see a different leader lead each day. We're going to work our way through the framework of the Lord's Prayer. And then if you're an evening prayer person, you can join us in the prayer summit at 5 o'clock to 5.30 each evening for a live gathering together during our 21 days of prayer. So online in the morning at 9, Facebook, and then in the evening in the summit. So when we're talking about the house of the Lord tonight being a house of prayer, you have to understand we're not making that up. I just thought it was a good opportunity to connect the two thoughts, being in the, in the beginning of the 21 days of prayer, having a series called We Are the Temple, and to connect these two thoughts, which is what we're going to do today. Have you ever thought about the temple of the Lord and its reputation? That's really where this sermon started. I was thinking about the reputation, not only of our congregation or the reputation of our family or the King of Kings network of ministries. I was thinking about what reputation do we get? And is it an accurate representation? Is it the reputation that we want to have? And then it dropped into my spirit that God wanted his house to have a reputation. And it shows up in Isaiah chapter 56, which is where you've turned. Starting in verse 3. Let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says. To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and holds fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and who hold fast to my covenant. These I will bring to my holy mountain and will give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. 
So when the Lord himself was thinking about what reputation do I want my house to have, he relayed to us that he wanted his house to have a reputation as a house of prayer. That might strike you as strange, but as we break this down and go a little bit deeper tonight, I think you're going to understand why. I also want you to glean from this opening passage all of the connections to the foreigner, the connection to the non-Israelite or to the non-Jewish person. It's bringing in the foreigner, the Gentile, the one from other nations. My house will be a house of prayer. It doesn't stop there. It's a house of prayer for all nations. Very important that you get that because this pattern is going to be repeated tonight many times. And he says, I will bring in the faithful foreigner to my holy mountain. They will not be excluded. I will give them joy in my house, this house of prayer for all nations. It's interesting how clear it is that the Lord has a plan for the foreigner and the Gentile. That he... He chose to connect with Israel, and he chose to bring in a larger family. And the, one of the ways that he decides on who is brought in and who is not brought in is described right there. Those who will keep my covenants, those who will keep my Sabbaths and will keep my commandments, those who will let their heart be molded after my heart, I will bring them in. And it will be a house of prayer for them. But those who want to do it their own way, those that want to create something new that I didn't create, those are not the ones invited. To join this house of prayer for all nations, we have to first commit to following the covenants of God. Then the invitation goes out. The arms come around and say, now, you've made covenant with me. Now come into your house. Come into my house. It's very important to understand how all of this is attached together. Hallelujah. Now, in the New Covenant, we see that Yeshua is quite regularly in the temple, right? We talked about this last week because last week's sermon, we talked about how many times Yeshua engaged in the temple and what were the outcomes of those things. The temple not being made with human hands representing the tabernacle found in heavenly places. And then it also represented his body not made with human hands because later he said in the sermon last week that I am the temple. So he gets to be the temple and we get to be the temple. Why? Because we house the presence of God. That defines what the temple is. But Yeshua is frequently in the temple. He's teaching, he's worshiping, he's celebrating the feasts and festivals. He's very involved in the, the Jewish roots of our faith and very involved in Jewish life expression. And on one occasion, Yeshua sees something wrong in the temple. There's something that's violating its intended purpose. It's violating the reputation for the temple that he, Yeshua God, wanted the reputation to be. We're going to pick it up in Matthew 21. You can turn there. We're going to read a few verses. Matthew 21, starting in verse 6. So I want to set the stage for this story. Matthew 21, 6. 
before Yeshua even gets to the temple. It says, the disciples went and they did as Yeshua had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Yeshua to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds then went ahead of him, and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And when Yeshua entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Yeshua, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Now, what's important before he gets to the temple is what's happening before he gets to the temple. The context is that the people are beginning to follow him in greater and greater numbers. And these larger numbers are coming behind him in the procession and going in front of him in the procession, and they're making these proclamations. They're making out loud statements like, Hosanna to the son of David. It indicates that this crowd that's growing, that this crowd is exalting Yeshua. Okay, they're not saying, hey, a great rabbi is coming in. Oh, a great prophet is coming in. No, no, no. They're proclaiming, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're exalting him as God. And the crowd is large. Did you hear it in the text? It's a large crowd has gathered for this procession as he comes into the Jerusalem area. This is the background. Now, in making these public statements, this was a cause for concern for the religious Jews, who in their mind, they were to be more honored, they were more studied, they were in charge of more people, they had access to synagogue and temple, they should have been the one to receive honor, but he's getting it. This is a problem for them. Not only them, but this is also a, a cause of concern for the Roman soldiers nearby who see this procession almost like he's a king. The palm branches, the cloaks, the proclamations, the honor, the exaltations, almost like he's a king. This is a cause of concern to the Romans. Now we continue in Matthew 21. Look at verse 12 now that you know the context. Yeshua entered the temple courts and he drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Why is the context important? It's because of all of the momentum. It wasn't a regular day. It wasn't a quiet morning where the Jewish people, the Jewish leaders were searching hard to build the 10-person minion. Right, you know what they do in the synagogues. They're always trying to get the morning minion. And they're always a few people short. So they go out of the synagogue and they look in the street. Is anybody coming down the road? We need 10. We need 10 men to pray. We've only got seven. Anyone? Nobody wants to pray with us this morning? Come on, anybody? We ring the bell. We send the, the WhatsApp. We're a few people short of a minion. Can someone come, please? And if you're a Gentile along the way, every once in a while, they might grab you. You want to be Jewish for 30 minutes? They might say, I'm sure, why not? That's not what's going on in this context. It's not a few people coming into Jerusalem 
a few meandering people trying to get a minion to pray. This says it's a large crowd has gathered already. There's a procession and it's concerning the religious leaders. That's how big it is. And it was in that moment with the large crowd, with all of the momentum, with them proclaiming him to be the king, he goes into the temple and he says, nope, this is not how we're gonna do this. Wasn't a quiet morning. There was a crowd there ready to watch this. He waited. He could have done this any other time. It's not like they just started being robbers. Right? This wasn't their first morning. They'd been doing this for years. He could have picked any other morning, but he picked this one on purpose because of the size of the crowd. It was important for him to show to as many people that could hear that his father's house was a house of prayer. And he was restoring the reputation that had been lost. Luke adds a few details. Luke chapter 19, verse 35. It says, they brought the colt or the donkey to Yeshua, threw their cloaks on the colt and put Yeshua on it. And as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. And when he came near to the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully praise God in loud voices for all of the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Matthew didn't say king. Luke got king out of it, right? Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Yeshua, teacher, you need to rebuke your disciples. <laughs> so when the crowd gathers, the Pharisees' expectation was, get this, this is amazing. The Pharisees were expecting him to correct the disciples. So in the moment of correction, he thinks about it, has the large crowd gathered, says, this is a good time to do this. Pharisees, yes, go ahead. Tell the disciples how off they are. Tell them they should have never said those kind of things. And he says, you know what, you're right. I'm, I need to correct somebody today. Let me come over here. Everybody gather, everyone listen, everybody pay attention. I need to make a big correction. See this table? Whew. Flips it up. Now I got everybody's attention. I'm gonna make a correction today. My house is a house of prayer. It's not a den of robbers. Oh, Pharisees. Oh, they had to be so mad. 10 seconds ago, they thought that Yeshua was going to correct the disciples, and now they're being corrected. You see the arrogance that he's calling out. Notice the crowd calls him a king, and they don't like it. The crowd says, Hosanna. They don't like that. Peace in heaven. They don't like that one either. What does he have to do with heaven? They might say. He waited on purpose because he wanted to make a big statement in Israel. He wanted to make a correction. He made sure they all knew about it. Luke chapter 19, verse 45 and 46, when Yeshua entered the temple courts, he began to drive out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of robbers. There's a correction, but there's also, get this, 
It's not just a correction. There's an accusation. He doesn't just correct them for what they did as if, hey, guys, listen, I know the temple, it's big. There's a lot of people. You get busy in your duties. You know, you guys are really good rabbis, priests, scribes. You get busy. And sometimes you let things slide. And, you know, in your busyness and in your diligence, accidentally let this thing slide. It's supposed to be a house of prayer. And you didn't pay attention to that. Listen, let's make a quick correction. That's not how he handled it. He made the correction, then he accused them. Whole different ballgame now. Remember, not a quiet morning in the temple. He's accusing them in front of hundreds, if not thousands of people. But you have turned it. He doesn't say, it has been turned passive. This is not a nifal verb. Those of you that study Hebrew, come on. All you Ulpan students. This is not a passive verb that it gets done to it. This is, a, this is a verb, you did this. Active accusation. And really what's happening is he's, he's not only quoting Isaiah, which we all of our minds automatically go to Isaiah because we read it. My house will be a house of prayer. That's what Isaiah said. Yes, he quotes that, but that's not all he quoted. He quoted Jeremiah 7, 11. Has this house, which bears my name, become a, become a den of robbers to you? But I have been watching, declares the Lord. So what's happening here is Yeshua is standing up in front of these, this large crowd. He's making a correction. He's making an accusation. He's quoting Isaiah for himself, and he's quoting Jeremiah for them. He's saying both of us are being fulfilled today. I'm being fulfilled as the king. You're being fulfilled as those that have caused this problem. And if they had any awareness, if they had any knowledge of the prophets, they knew he was pointing at them and he was saying, Jeremiah talked about you. Yeah, you don't want to find yourself in the Bible that way. Isaiah saw it. Jeremiah saw it. Yeshua saw it. What is it that they saw? The purpose of the temple, a house of prayer. King David saw it. Psalm 27, verse 4, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. You see, David's motivation was eventually to build a permanent house for God. He wanted to build what we call the first temple. But before that happens, David is found bringing the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem, and before the temple ever gets built by Solomon, David puts it in a tent. And this tent is described in 1 Chronicles 16.1. It says, they brought the Ark of God, and they set it inside the tent that David had pitched for it, and they presented burnt offerings and the fellowship offerings before God. Now, some people will refer to that tent as the tent of David. Some of you have even heard the term the tabernacle of David because it was David that knew we want the presence of God and his house is supposed to be a house of prayer. That's 1 Chronicles 16.1, but the next 36 verses are instructions on how to worship and pray. Did you know that? Did you think that the only model of prayer was found in Matthew chapter 6, the Lord's Prayer? No. 
David gives 36 verses on how to do it. It's a great example for us. I found it interesting that the focus here is not on sacrifices. Did you notice that it never says when God wants to establish, establish the reputation of his house, it never says, and my house will be a house of sacrifice. Or my house will be a house of commerce. My house will be a house of trading. Of all of the things it could have been, what was most important for God to establish as the reputation of his house was that his house would be a house of prayer. That's what was important to God. Let me give you the key phrase of tonight. Prayer is a two-way dialogue in which we listen and we speak to God from our heart. Thus, the house of God is a house of prayer as opposed to a house of sacrifice or commerce. What does God say so many times? It's not the sacrifice I desired. It's not the sacrifice I desired. Right? I desire obedience. I desire mercy. You bring me sacrifices, but it doesn't do any good when your heart's not in the right place. My house is a house of prayer where we get to talk together. Friends, have we, have we lost the sight of the overarching universal goal of the whole redemption story of Yeshua? What is he doing? What is he doing it for? Why is he saving us? Why did he die for us? Why did he come out of heaven and, and come into the form of a human? Why does he give up himself as a sacrifice so often? Why, why, why? Because he wants to talk to us. He wants us to talk to him. That's called prayer. And he wants us to do that for all eternity. Have a relationship. Prayer is nothing more than the active response of a relationship with God. It's talking, it's listening, it's sharing, it's reacting to what has been shared. It's taking steps once something has been shared with you. That's prayer. And the whole redemption story of Yeshua is so that we could restore that relationship to God where we can pray directly to him all the time. In his presence, physically, Maybe not in his presence physically, but in spirit, we can always commune with God. That's why he wants the house of God to be the house of prayer. That's what the redemption story was about. Restoring our ability. A few more connections here. I want to turn your attention to Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15 is a story where the disciples have gone out into the world and they've brought back testimonies to the Jerusalem council, headed up by James, brother of Yeshua. But one of the problems that arose was that there was a group called the Judaizers that were teaching that you had to live like a Jew in order to be saved. But the Holy Spirit had different thoughts. You need to keep his covenants. You need to obey him, follow his word. Absolutely, all of those things are true, but you don't have to live like a Jew in a ritualistic way in order to be saved. And so this gets clarified in Acts chapter 15. 
So after everybody gave their testimony, James stands up and he gives his ruling. So he was the ruling apostle. He gives the final decision. This is what it says in Acts 15, verse 13 through 19. When they, being all the apostles, gave their testimony, when they finished, James spoke up. Brothers, he said, listen to me. Simon Peter has described to us how God first intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this as it is written. After this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. There it was. Remember, I just told you about David's tent. It's ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who hear my name and bear my name, says the Lord, who does these things, things known from long ago, it is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Did you, did you catch all the connections? He's talking about the house of God being a house of prayer. He's talking about it in terms of David's fallen tent that needs to be restored. That was the house of prayer where the Ark of the Covenant, covenant rested. And then he's looping in the Gentiles every time. It's a house of prayer for all nations. Don't forget that part. Now, of course, we know that James is actually quoting Amos. Amos chapter 9, 11, and 12. That says, in that day, I will restore David's fallen shelter. And I will repair its broken walls and restore its ruins. And I will rebuild it as it used to be so that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations that bear my name, declares the Lord, who will do these things. There it is again. Every time you hear the house of the Lord, it's connected to prayer and it's always connected to all nations. That's what the apostle James was saying. Don't make it difficult for Gentiles to come in. They were always supposed to come in. They need to keep my covenants, obey my word, be molded into my image, but they are welcome to come in. What should we be seeing here? That each time the tabernacle and the temple is described, it's described as a house of prayer that includes all nations and Gentiles. When David's tent, where the ark was being held, was described, it's described the same way as the temple is. It's described the same way that the apostles described it in Acts chapter 15. And notice again, it talks about who is welcome? The Gentiles who bear my name. They bear my name. They can't bear someone else's name. I don't care what congregation, kehilah, community, or church they go to, they have to bear my name. And then they're welcome into my house. Now, as we move from the origins of the tabernacle and then the first temple, we talked about the tent of David. We're talking about the prophets. Then we got into Yeshua's time in the temple there. He makes the correction. He makes the accusation. We come to certain scriptures that talk about the end of the age. And the end of the age is described this way from Zechariah 14. Watch all the connections again. Zechariah 14, 16, it says, Then the survivors from all of the nations that have attacked Jerusalem will go up year after year to worship the King, the Lord Almighty, and to celebrate the festival of tabernacles. If any of the peoples of the earth do not go up to Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord Almighty, they will have no rain. If the Egyptians and their people do not go up 
and they don't take part, they will have no rain. The Lord will bring on them the plague he inflicts on the nations that do not go up to celebrate the festival of tabernacles. The picture is now at the end of the age, this earth is still here. The new heaven and new earth is not here yet. It's this earth, but Yeshua has returned. He's here. What is it? He calls out, come to my house for the festival of Sukkot. Does he call just the Jews? No, he calls people from every nation. And if you don't come from those nations, you get no rain. If you've ever thought for some reason through a teaching or a misunderstanding or a lack of knowledge of the word, if you've ever thought that the tabernacle and the temple of God was ever meant for only the Jews, you didn't hear it the way God wrote it. It was meant to be visited by all nations. Gentiles from every nation. And then it wasn't just invited, it was commanded. Zechariah commands it. If you don't come, your country gets no rain. Now, yes, the land of Israel is a covenant land for the Jewish people. The priesthood of the Levites goes exclusively to the Levites. The Kohanim exclusively to the Kohanim. And the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, exclusively to the high priest of the Kohen family. All of that is exclusive to the Jewish people, but not the temple. The temple was a place of invitation and later command for people of all nations to attend this house of prayer. Why? Because God has desired through the whole redemption process that we be restored to him in relationship so that we can dialogue with him. And that's what prayer is. It's the restoration of that relationship to dialogue with God. What does Revelation say since we're talking about the end of the age? Revelation 5, 8, and 9. Worship team, you can help me here. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, and each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. They sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll to open its seals because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons and people from every tribe and language and people and nation. Friends, you're never going to get away from this pattern in the Bible. When you see prayer happening, it's going to be nations. If it's in the tabernacle, the nations are included. If it's in David's fallen tent, it's going to be resurrected. The nations are invited. If it's in the first temple, the nations are being interceded for in the sacrifices. If it's in Yeshua's day, my house will be a house of prayer for all nations. If you're talking about the coming of the Lord, you're commanded to come to Jerusalem in the house of prayer. All nations must come. And if you're talking about the age to come, even in Revelation, or if you're looking into the heavenly realms, the bowl of incense, the prayer of the saints, means that Yeshua bought with his blood people from every nation under heaven. That pattern will not be broken that connection stays solid through the whole text of the Bible. His house will be a house of prayer. Remember, it doesn't stop. It's a house of prayer for all nations. Let me close with a quick application. If we are the temple, therefore, remember, the whole goal of this series is if we are the temple, how do we follow that? If we are the temple, and the temple is called the house of prayer, then we must be people of prayer. There's no way around that. I'm asking you, 
I'm inviting you to join us in this 21 days of prayer. Online for 10 or 15 minutes, in the summit for 30 minutes. You can join in there. You can join in with your community groups. And not only are we to be a people of prayer as individuals, but we're also supposed to pray for and welcome people from all nations. King of Kings, you do this very well. I want to applaud you as a congregation. We welcome people from all nations. Why do you think I, re I read out for you the list of nations tonight? I know I get to do that often, and it's a great privilege, but tonight especially I wanted to read it because we're happy you're here. You are helping us all fulfill the word of God. Just like Yeshua said of the Pharisees, y'all are in J Jeremiah 7, den of robbers. What I'm saying to us, King of Kings extended family tonight, here in the house and online, you are helping us to fulfill the word of God. Isaiah 56, Amos chapter 9, 1 Chronicles 16, Revelation 5, Zechariah 14, all of it, we're doing it together. We're finding ourselves in the Bible. And if you've ever needed a pattern to pray, I understand, if I can be vulnerable for a minute, of all of the things we can do in the kingdom of God, there are some very stimulating things. When you get to go serve in the soup kitchen, that's stimulating, it's physical. You see immediate results. A hungry person got fed. When you go serve at the distribution center, a homeless person got clothes and a bag of groceries. When you come to worship with us, you, there's, a, there's an emotional stimulus that comes along with our worship and the parasha and the seudat ha'adon and the word of God and your friends. There's a stimulus. But somehow, when it comes to prayer, all of a sudden, many of us lose that stimulus. We lose the passion for it. This is not an accusation at you. This is an admission from me. I must be a person of prayer so that I can lead my family to be a family of prayer so that our family can be part of a small community group and we can be a community group of prayer so that all of our community groups can gather on a night like tonight so that we can be a congregation of prayer. You see what's going on here? We arise to that level, but only if it starts in us. It has to start in us first. And if you've ever needed a pattern, this was a blessing to me this week. Write these notes down. If you needed a pattern for daily prayer, go to the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. If you needed a pattern for a prayer of gratitude, go to 1 Chronicles 16. 36 verses of gratitude. It'll show you how to do it. And if you needed a pattern prayer of repentance, go to Daniel chapter 9. Daniel will teach you how to repent. He's one of the best repenters in the Bible, and yet he's one of the most godly people. That should tell you something. Let all of this be tools in your tool belt. Israel was always called to be a kingdom of priests that made intercession for the rest of the world. And as we are also called as new covenant believers to be a royal priesthood in a holy nation, we are also called to make intercession for the nations around us. Our unsaved friends, our neighbors, our family, our coworkers. We need to get better at this as a congregation, as individuals, as families, as small groups. I'm asking you to help me commit to this. Let's do it together. Let's hold each other accountable.
let's commit to a more stimulated, intensified, faithful commit, commitment to prayer in 2023. I don't know if you've made resolutions, if you even do that, I don't know. But if you're gonna make one, I can't think of a higher one than to commit yourself to build the house of God with the reputation that he wanted the house to have as a house of prayer. Bow your heads with me. Let me just pray this prayer of impartation over you today. Yeshua, we come to you and we first say from Daniel 9, we've sinned. We've sinned individually and as a corporate body. Forgive us of sin. Father, help us to forgive others that have sinned against us so that there's no blockage between our prayers and your ears. And Father, where we've fallen short and we've sought instant gratification in other areas of ministry, but we've neglected the task of prayer because it doesn't always happen right in front of us. The outcome doesn't always happen immediately. And so we can grow weary. We ask your forgiveness. Would you spark something new in us today? Because we're going to need it for the age in front of us. Would you spark in us the stimulus, the knowledge, the discernment of what prayer really does as it moves mountains? That we first become people of prayer, families of prayer, community groups of prayer, and a congregation founded on prayer. Let us build your house the way you wanted it. We pray in Yeshua's name. Amen.